goodness, friends, it is so good to be with you this morning. And so our text for today invites us to notice this curious pattern throughout geographical regions around the world. And it is this, that across all human cultures, singing, the practice of singing is an important practice. And we sing here every morning, every Sunday at Vox and throughout scripture, uh, the practice of singing and music is referenced over a thousand times. And so perhaps a question for us to become curious about today is this. How does singing together, uh, individually and collectively, how does it help us bodily and spiritually? What is it about the practice of gathering together and singing together that makes it so universally nourishing for human bodies such that Wisdom teachers throughout time would be in agreement about this, that whatever the problem is that we're facing, singing is part of the solution. <laughs> so perhaps a question to start us off with today is this. What is a song that you really love to sing? Whether you think of yourself as a singer or not, uh, what's a song you love to sing out loud or maybe just silently by yourself in the shower or in the car? <laughs> Uh, so I'll give you a moment, turn to a neighbor and ask them this question. What's a song that you love to sing? And then we'll hear some variety in the room. So I'll give you a moment. All right, folks. Let's come back together and just call it out loudly. What's the title of a song that you heard, either that you really love to sing or that you heard your neighbor say that they really love to sing? Let's just hear some of the variety in the room. Dear John, <laughs> what's another? Soak up the sun. Soak up the sun. Good. Sweet Caroline. <laughs> Driver's license. Good. Would you? What was it? Since you've been gone, we're gonna leave with lots of songs now in our head from here. Um, so according to Spotify Wrapped, these are the top three songs that were streamed on the platform last year. So first was As It Was by Harry Styles. I think we've got a clip. Y'all know this. Next was Heat Waves. By Glass Animals. And then the third was Stay by Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. Thing I told you that I never would. I told you I changed. Even when I knew I never could. Know that I can't. Find nobody else as good as you. I need you to stay. Need you to stay. So, a confession, before this homily, I didn't know any of those songs. <laughs> so, I may be like a global outlier, but according to my Spotify, I love only two genres of music. Classical composers and Chris Stapleton. So what do we imagine that our favorite songs might say about us? 
a while back, there was an article in Time Magazine that opened with this line. Have you ever been a bit judgy when you heard someone else's taste in music? Of course you have, and you were right. <laughs> According to research, evidently the songs we love to sing can accurately predict our politics, our eating and drinking habits, how we spend our money. It can even predict the health and the mood outcomes of entire geographical regions. But <clears throat> as it turns out, it really doesn't matter much what songs we're singing. Singing anything that feels good in our body can be beneficial for our brain health, our immune system. It can help us ward off disease. It boosts our mood and elevates our relationships. And so if there is a fundamental wisdom in the practice of singing, what do we imagine that is? How might our love of singing be part of the goodness of how we're created? And what parts of God then may be reflected in that? And how might singing be an, an effective form of protest, of defiance, of nonviolent resistance against oppression? These are some of the questions we'll be considering as we read Psalm chapter 68, verses 4 through 9, which opens with this. Sing to God, sing praises to God's name. Exalt God who rides upon the heavens. Yahweh is God's name. Rejoice before God. So the first thing we might notice here is that these lines of scripture open with the word sing, and then they unfold in a rhythm, repeating God's name, God's name, God's name, Yahweh. The name which is in fact not a name at all. It's not a speakable name. It's not a singable name. In the original Hebrew, there are no vowels in the name of God, so it's traditionally understood to be impossible to pronounce this name. So it's historically been understood as simply the sound of human breath. Yahweh. So you might try this with me. Yahweh. 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 In the words of Rabbi Arthur Wasco, the real name of God is beyond pronunciation. It's not a Hebrew word, nor a word in Egyptian, nor Latin, nor Sanskrit, nor English. It's not a word in a single language, but in all of them, it underlies and transcends language. It's just breathing, which is what all human beings do. So in the scriptures, we could just pause at Yahweh and breathe. And a simple way we can connect with our breath is by singing. So I asked a few singers in our community, what's happening inside us and between us when we sing together? So Brandon Kinder is husband to Claire and dad to Jojo, and he leads us in singing most Sundays. Brandon talked with me about the impact singing can have on individuals and on communities. So uh, let's take a listen. Hello. How do I think singing can benefit individuals and communities um, when dealing with oppression and injustice? For one, singing, especially in groups, releases oxytocin into your brain and you feel more alive. It can be soothing to your nervous system. Um, and also there's there's power in numbers. You know, that's, that's why we sing in church. That's why we love going to concerts. Um, singing and having that unified voice um, delivering a message that we're all in love with is is can be really important 
And um, I think that's why protest songs over the years have been such such big parts of the musical dialogue. Um, I think singing is a fantastic way to bring people together and it's powerful, isn't it? So Brandon's beginning to give us some ideas about how the practice of singing nourishes our bodies, how we're hardwired to respond to rhythm and repetition and melody. It's this organic phenomenon. And the neurologist Oliver Sacks says it this way, the imagining of music, even in relatively non-musical people, tends to be remarkably faithful not only to the tune and feeling of the original, but its pitch and tempo. And underlying this is the extraordinary tenacity of musical memory. So much of what is heard during one's early years may be engraved on the brain for the rest of one's life. Our auditory systems, our nervous systems are indeed exquisitely tuned for music. So uh, Jennifer Cumberbatch is another beloved Vox friend who has taught us here, and she's a woman of so many talents. She's a counselor and a pastor and preacher and singer and actor and playwright and chef and most importantly, mom to our beloved Virginia, who teaches here regularly. And Jennifer hosts a monthly space for artisans. She calls it The Gathering, and uh, I brought some photos for that we can scroll through that you can see. The gathering is a time for Austinites to engage the arts as a way of fueling our advocacy and our activism. And I highly encourage you to look online and find out more about Jen and the gathering and these offerings that she creates. And I asked Jen why in every experience that she offers, there is always some form of singing. And so uh, I'll invite you to listen to some of what she said. Because when I looked up these uh, words about singing and melody, et cetera, it, it, it said vibrating on strings uh, to produce sound. And I'm going, like, every human being is an instrument. It, it, it must be something that the Spirit is trying to communicate us, to us in the efficacy of using our voices to create melody in our hearts that catapults us into the presence of God. And so th these are things that I'm just ruminating over. I, I looked up what impact singing has on the brain. This connection of nerves between the left and the right side of the brain. And they have done brain scans that uh, indicate that People who learn instruments and people who sing, there's literally a uh, a, a proliferation of of brain matter in that integrate integrative um, connection between left and right brain. Isn't it amazing? Jen is amazing, <laughs> and so uh, you can hear in that that she's helping us further understand some of the wisdom behind the practice of regularly singing or chanting together, which is common to every tradition around the globe. Indigenous cultures, Buddhism, Sufism, the yoga traditions, Christian monastic communities, each of these traditions encourages us to use our breath and our voice as a meditative 
practice for the purpose of healing and strengthening our bodies and our communities. Or as the author of our psalm today encourages us, sing, sing to God and remember that Yahweh is God's name, way, the out-breath, and yah, the in-breath, as in hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So perhaps a practice for us this week might be just whenever we catch ourselves singing, we might pause and direct attention to our breath and notice how our body is feeling, become curious about the wisdom of this practice of singing as a way of heightening our awareness that the presence of God, the presence of love is ever as close as our next breath. So our text continues, Rejoice before God, parent of orphans, defender of widows. God in the holy habitation. God gives the solitary a home and brings forth prisoners into freedom. So the thing we might notice here is that singing and breathing is related to belonging and freedom. And two Sundays ago, Wayland spoke about this dual need that we all have as human beings for both belonging, to feel included in a community, and for liberation, to feel free to be our authentic selves within that community. And if you didn't catch Way's homily on May 7th or Christopher's from last week, I'll encourage you to go back and listen to them because your pastors are illuminating a theology that's so thoughtfully laid out and so rooted in the nonviolent image of God reflected in Jesus. And so if you want to know what theology grounds our teaching here at Vox, Way and Christopher's homilies from the past two Sundays, are they articulate it perfectly. God gives the orphans, the widows, the solitary, those on the margins of our community, a home, a place of belonging here with us. And God brings forth fr- prisoners into freedom, liberation, the felt sense of being released within a, an inclusive community to be as fully your unique and unrepeatable self as possible. And so we are grieving, we lament, and we use our voices to advocate for those among us here in the state of Texas who are still being deprived of belonging and liberation and freedom. We think about those seeking asylum on our borders, the unhoused among us in need of just a peaceful place to sleep, BIPOC Texans whose voices are needed to elevate every conversation, and trans youth who play such an important role in our communities and who need the medical care that professionals recommend in order to be freed up to freely contribute their wisdom and talent and skills to our communities. And when those things are not happening, when those important members of our community are being silenced and not experiencing belonging and freedom, what would God's love have us do? How would God's love have us respond? I asked Jen Cumberbatch to speak with us about how the practice of singing and music and beauty has historically been harnessed as an effective act of defiance against oppression and violence. 
an effective form of protest and disruption and resistance. And so here's what Jen had to say. Um, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Um, sometimes I feel like a motherless child. These were the, the songs that liberated our soul when our bodies were in captivity. They were the songs that you talk about the installation of hope. These were the songs that on a daily basis, when black people were be, being enslaved and abused, they literally focused our attention on the greater reality and that we had a liberating God who freed us in our mind and in our spirit from the oppression of the enemy and that he liberated us from the fear, the bondage of the fear of death that some of us have lived under our entire life. Like, how can you do any more damage to me if I'm free and I know that, that I'm free in Christ? What, how much more can you do? So in the atmosphere of COVID and shootings and factions and all of that stuff, we need beauty for beauty's sake. And it is a weapon against quote unquote evil to propagate, to promote, to share beauty. It's a weapon. When I think about the power of singing as a practice of wielding a weapon of beauty in the face of violence and oppression, as Jen so brilliantly puts it, I think of artists like Nina Simone. Nina Simone wrote the now famous song, Mississippi Goddamn, in 1964, following the murders of Emmett Till and Medgar Evers and the Birmingham 16th Street Church bombing. And Simone composed the entire song in less than an hour. It's a song infused with her incomparable beauty and raw emotion and the courage to speak, or in her case, sing truth to power. And so uh, we've got a clip. I'll invite us to take a listen. Alabama's got me so upset Tennessee made me lose my rest And everybody knows about Mississippi gone down Alabama's got me so upset Tennessee made me lose my rest Everybody knows about Mississippi gone down Stand the pressure much longer Somebody say a prayer Alabama's got me so upset And Governor Wallace has made me lose my rest Everybody knows about Mississippi When Simone first performed this song Somebody asked her What genre of music do you think this fits into? And she said it's a show tune Except the show hasn't been written for it yet 
And let's just acknowledge that Vox, we are weary of waiting. We are weary of protesting. We are weary of resisting. We are weary of singing and singing and singing songs for shows that should have been written already. So uh, as we're nearing our close, I want to invite us to take another community breath together. So inhale slowly, and now exhale loudly, audibly. (sighs) Yeah. That lion-like sound at the back of our throat, notice how it's sort of a cross between a sigh and a moan. (sighs) Oh God, you went forth before your people. When you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook and the skies poured down rain at the presence of God, the God of Sinai, at the presence of God, the God of Israel. You sent a gracious rain, O God, upon your inheritance, and you refreshed the land when it was weary. And God help us, we need that again, because we are weary. Exhale loudly. We are weary of school shootings and children shuddering. We are weary. Exhale of police brutality and black lives extinguished, we are weary. Exhale. (sighs) Of political hijinks and trans youth suffering, we are weary. Exhale. We are weary, we are weary of going up against formidable problems and giant fiscal machines which, if left unchecked, will destroy the planet. We are weary. Exhale. We are weary of waiting for solutions to man-made problems. We are weary, we are weary, we are weary. Inhale. (sighs) Exhale. (sighs) That's the name of God. So I'll leave us with this final closing question. How might connecting with our breath and with the power of singing and beauty sustain us when our bodies feel so weary. This story comes to mind of an indigenous community that invited a group of predominantly white students to a lecture about indigenous practices. And during the lecture, the conversation turned to the ritual of rain dancing. And a student raised their hand and asked the speaker, but do you really think that dancing and singing can change the pattern of the weather? And the speaker said, only a white person would ask that. (laughs) He said, we don't perform the ritual to change the weather. We do it so we won't despair while we're waiting. That's the power of breathing together, of singing together, It's the power of ritual. Oh God, when you went forth before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook and the skies poured down rain and you refreshed the land when it was weary. And we need that again. We need that again. We need that again. Exhale. (sighs) So perhaps a practice we might think about this week is this, as we continue to explore how we as a Vox community might embody God's love through protest, through loving resistance to the violence and oppression swirling around us, let's consider the role that gathering together and singing together might play.
in sustaining us and connecting us with our breath and our body and our voice and our beauty. And let's continue to wonder together how we might use the weapon of song, the weapon of beauty to dismantle ugly systems that otherwise would silence us in despair. So uh, I'd like to close our time together by inviting you uh, into an experience of this, of the wisdom of the practice of singing. So using just the instruments of our own beautiful human bodies. Please join in whenever you're ready. Let's take one more collective deep breath together. <sighs> Let us pause in life's pleasures and count its many tears while we also sorrow with the poor. There's a song that will linger forever in our ears. Oh, hard times come again no more.